Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al-khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Yusuf Ahmed al-Rimawi, Robert Martin and Nasser al-Mashni. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause. In English language, we would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. This episode will be an interview that Robert and uh, other activists conducted with Mr. Ahmed Tibi, Palestinian member of the Israeli Knesset. So stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Morning, Yusuf. How are you doing? Nasser, today we have um, an important interview that our international correspondence uh, did. Our international correspondence has filed this report from Palestine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> tell us about what we are well, going to we're, listen we're to. We're going to hear from um, uh, Ahmed Tibi, who is uh, an, you know, a Palestinian Israeli and a member of the Knesset and uh, one of the t- one of ten Deputy Speakers of the Knesset. I don't know how that actually works, mm. but um, he uh, is a very, very important figure in um, uh, within Forty Eight Palestine, representing twenty uh, percent uh, plus of the uh, population of uh, the State of Israel, and uh, he shares uh, his views on the future of the two state two state solution BDS, as well as how he would um, how he would fare in a BB versus TB election. Excellent. That sounds like uh, a very interesting topic to talk about. Mm. Uh, But also for those who uh, know little about the uh, Arab representation within the Knesset, we're talking about probably nearly a quarter of the Israeli passport holders are from Arab uh, origin, Palestinians, basically, whether Muslims, Christians or Jews. And these people have rights and they have been marginalized since the inception of the State of Israel. Mm -hmm. And the least is to advocate and fight for their rights within this shared space. However, there is a political, uh, there will always be um, uh, political understanding of what's going to happen with the future Palestinian state if if if, if, there, if, if. if there will be. Yeah, so I uh, think it's important, Yusuf, when we talk about the, the Arabs, the, the um, one of the ways that the uh, Israelis have uh, endeavor to marginalize us is the Arabs are called minorities. We're defined whether we're in plural, Jews, in plural, not yeah. the minority, yeah, not the minority, not everybody that isn't Jewish. Yeah. In fact, we're segregated into Bedouins, Druze, Christians, Muslims. Um, you know, whether they're from the uh, f- we're from the Golan Heights mm. or the the the, the Nakab. Uh, the the efforts to fragment us uh, continue, uh, failing 
thankfully, but they, they, they do continue. Failing thanks to efforts of people like Ahmad Tibi and others. So uh, next will be an interview uh, conducted by Robert, uh, our co-host. And uh, the guest is uh, Mr. Ahmad Tibi, member of the uh, Arab Joint uh, List at the Knesset. Stay with us and we will be back shortly. start talking about why we said it and why we are talking a lot about it uh, in the last month. Usually there are two options uh, in front of the Israeli Prime Minister. Two state solution and one state solution. The international community is very much Pro two-state solution, independent Palestinian state, 1967, East Jerusalem as the capital, alongside the state of Israel. But Netanyahu, and he is very much proud of that, ruined the possibility of two-state solution. Every day uh, uh, passes without uh, putting an end to occupation increases the number and the areas of settlements and makes it impossible to have and to create independent Palestinian state in these areas, which composes 22% of historical Palestine, which back in Gaza, only 22%, because it's an historical compromise. There is no secession and settlement activity, and every day there are buildings and settlements, settlements and buildings. That's why we are talking about the second option, one democratic state, and President Mahmoud Abbas talked about it in his speech in the United Nations before one month, in the last month. He said, we are supporting, we are pro, we want, we act for two-state solution. But if not, we are calling for equal rights for all citizens in historical Palestine. If there will be no two-state solution, and we are talking about one-state solution, there are two options for one state solution. One option is democratic uh, state. One person, one vote for all from sea to river. In this case, for demographic factors, Palestinians will be more. 
In this case, and if there will be only two candidates, for example, BB and TB, I think that I will win. Or another Palestinian candidate. But it's a nightmare for Israelis to have one state democratic solution because it's the end of Zionist dream and project. That's why whenever you are proposing two choices, cho choices for Israeli prime minister, the two-state solution and one-state solution, they are choosing immediately the third option, which is not on the table, which is the status quo. To continue in the same situation now, why? Because occupation is easy. It doesn't cost a lot for Israeli uh, government, for the Israelis. Not economically, not diplomatically, not even security, nothing. And uh, that's why Netanyahu is very much interested in prolonging the situation. As to say, maybe Palestinians will lose faith, will be tired, and he will control, Israel will control the whole areas, and the international community will say nothing, almost. But usually nations and peoples, especially under occupation, does not lose faith. And especially Palestinians. They are insisting on liberation, self-determination, and independent state, mainly putting them into occupation. Meanwhile, <coughs> there is a 20% of the Israeli populations who are the citizens of the state of Israel, the Arab minority, Palestinian minority. We are part of the Palestinian people. We are not immigrants. We did, we did not arrive to Israel. We were here before Israel was constructed. And Israel is uh, defined according to the Israeli basic law as, as Jewish and democratic. Jewish before democratic, not accidental. I am saying that there is a contradiction between the two values. If you are democratic, you believe in equal rights for all citizens, Jews and Arabs, black and white, men and women, secular and uh, religious people, but when you are defining yourself as a state, as Jewish, you are saying that Moshe, as a Jewish citizen, is superior to Ahmed as a non-Jewish citizen. This is not democracy. This is the contradiction, fatal contradiction. That's why we are saying we want to strengthen the democratic aspect of the definition and not to accept the Jewish part of this definition. I am saying that Israel should be defined as <coughs> a state of, uh, all, uh, of its all nationalities and to accept and to define 
Arab minority as national minority. We are national minority, and according to the international covenants, there are rights for national minorities. We are not only persons separated. We are minority with rights that should be given to us in lands, in representation, etc. According to the official name given by the Israeli authorities to the Arabs in Israel, they are not calling us Arab minority, but minorities, mi'utin. They are fragmenting us intentionally to say that these are Muslims, Christians, Druze, Bedouins, North, South, etc. To fragment us. It's a colonial, uh, colonial uh, uh, way of thinking. And we are saying we are one community, we are one minority, and we, are, we want rights according to this definition. There are three kinds of rules carried on by the government of Israel. One is democracy. Yes. Democracy for only 80% of the citizens, Jews citizens, for the Jewish majority. That's why I am calling it ethnocracy or eudocracy. <laughs> democracy for Jews only. The second rule is racial discrimination against 20% of the citizens, Arab citizens of the state of Israel. The third rule is occupation and apartheid in 1967. Israel should be dealt by the international community according to these three kinds of rules. But the international community is dealing with Israel only according to the first rule, and it's misleading. We are trying to explain our situation. We are citizens, we are willing, we are acting, we are struggling in order to be equal, and we are not equals. We are not. There are tens of laws discriminating between Jews and Arabs in Israel. Tens, especially land planning financing. That's why we are in the Knesset. That's why we are taking part in the elections in order to change or to be there to present our position loudly in every place, in the street, in the media, in the Knesset, in the parliament, inside Israel, outside Israel, in the international community, in the universities, in the United States, in Europe, in the European uh, Parliament, in the United Nations, in the White House. I have been in all these places. Explaining the reality of the Israel-Palestinian conflict and the Israeli-Arab conflict, especially the Arab minority situation. That's it. I am ready to have a question which is all, always much more interesting. As a member of the Knesset, are you allowed to live in Israel or do you have to go back to... No, no, I am. 
in Israel. Okay. So you live in Israel a lot of times? Yes. You live in Jerusalem? Yes. In, in my town, Taibe, which is an Arab town, inside the Green Line, inside Israel. All members of the parliament, even in Washington, they are separated from Virginia, from California, they are living in Washington. Do you see any progress of what you're saying and your goals basically moving forward? Or Slow. Or is the same over and over again? Let's discuss it, let's discuss it. And we'll have discussed again for 50 years. Well, yeah. Slow. It's slow. Yeah. How can uh, we accelerate that? Usually, for example, the massive confiscation of lands, which took place in the past, almost stopped. But instead, they are demolishing houses. They are not recognizing villages in the south, in the Negev. 80,000 citizens, Arab Bedouin citizens, are not recognized. What is not recognized? No electricity, no infrastructure, no health services, no water supply, no uh, education system, nothing. No service, and they are paying taxes the same as everybody else. Exactly. So they are equal in taxation, but not equal in terms of service. In in rights, yes, definitely, you know. And, and when we are explaining that, they said it is a part of the planning. It's a planning issue. We can move you to other places. But these people are here, part of them before the state of Israel. They do not want to move. You should develop their places and supply basic terms and conditions for modern life. And they are not. What, what do you say to those people that say, you know, Israel is a democratic state mm-hmm. and the Arabs can vote and we have parliamentarians? Okay. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, Democracy is not only election. It's a whole experience. Mm-hmm. It's a freedom to talk. It's a freedom to move. It's an equal sharing of the good of the state and of the lands and we are not there at all. The state is defined ethnically as a Jewish. From this definition emerges the unequal dealing between Jews and Arabs. And the budgets are not equal between Jews and Arabs. We owned in 1948 almost 94% of the land. Today, Arabs owns only 3% of the private land in From more than 90 to 3%. All our lands were confiscated. More than 500 villages was demolished, erased. And instead, on top of these villages, part of them, a Jewish villages were created, sometimes in the same name. And today, in Umm al-Hiran in the Negev, which is an Arab Bedouin village, there is a decision to destroy the village and to create a Jewish settlement called Hiran, same name. But a Jewish instead of Arab. 
This is a hard core of oppression. And when people resisted house demolition before more than one year, the police shot one of the house owners, Yaqub Abu Al-Gi'an, and killed him and said immediately after five, uh, 20 minutes, he's ISIS. Why they are doing so? Because they can. Why though? It doesn't make sense in South Africa when these things were happening, the world stood against South Africa. Arm in arm, everybody said no more apartheid. Meanwhile, so why don't they do it here? Meanwhile, the most important country in the world, which is the United States, is supporting settlement activity right. in the occupied West Bank, right. especially, especially the ambassador of the United States and the White House. They are saying some lip tax only BDS. against settlements. BDS. Yeah. And they are, they are confronting, they are uh, 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 acting against PDS. According to the Israeli law, it's forbidden to say that you or to call for boycott of settlement or settlement act, uh, uh, products. I am telling you that you should boycott settlement and settlement products. We had and one, I am sure you did. We had one member of the group, they didn't let him in at the airport because uh, he's because the, it's the PDS. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm part of a committee in Melbourne that's going to be BDS and I'm going to be the face of it, so I know that I won't get back in. No. So if, if you talk about BDS in the Knesset, what happens? You just can't talk about it. Say it now to you. Do it. Boycott settlements. Right. I said it from the podium in the Knesset. I said I am ready to pay the price. But because I have immunity, they are not... Uh, have you drawn up a constitution? I'm very new to all of this. <coughs> Most people probably know the answer. I don't. Have you drawn up a constitution for the one state, Palestine? Is that a written constitution? There is a constitution written by the Palestinian leadership of the PLO uh, for the Palestinian state, yes. A long time ago, right? Yeah. I say, is that, would that still be valid for your one-state solution today? No, it would be something uh, sure. different. It can be amended. Wouldn't it, just as a question, in South Africa, there was, Mandela was surrounded by the best lawyers and wonderful people, many Jews, you know, who he mentioned when he's talking in Times Square after his release. And he says, I'm surrounded by Jews to help me draw up the Constitution. Wouldn't it be useful to have a constitution that you could put in front of people for a one-part state? A uh, one-party state? It's an early, but we should talk about this option. That's why President Abbas mentioned this option in his speech in the United Nations. Sorry. No, yet the international community is still supporting the vision of two-state solution. And uh, when Trump said when he met Netanyahu, one state, two state, whatever, yeah, he said so. People started to talk about what's the solution publicly more. But he did not mean one democratic state. When you were talking about one, one or two states, um, you didn't mention the, ref, the refugee situation. I wonder if you could address how the return of the refugees would relate to either of those solutions. In one state solution, all these final status issues will be included in the one state. You know, when there is one state, 
people can return wherever they want in the one state. Uh, there will be no issue of borders because it's one state. Of course. And uh, the issue of the refugees will be solved. But it is not so easy. It's very much complicated because we are talking about two nations in a conflict, two nationalities. But I am saying you don't want two-state solution. Let's discuss seriously the other option. One democratic state. Uri Savir, who was director general of the foreign ministry, wrote before one week in Ma'ariq <coughs> that if there will be one democratic state, uh, Tibi will be the prime minister, not Bibi. As I said before, if there is one person, one vote, in a democratic way, that will be the result. What, what's the feeling on the ground of the Palestinians? Because one state or two state? not only Palestinians would vote for me or any Palestinian candidate, but also Jewish Democrats right. and liberals will vote for me and not for Netanyahu. Of I believe in equal rights, in liberty, in values, in, 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 in peace between people, in reconciliation, not in oppression and occupation. And superiority, no. What's your, your personal preference, one state or two states? I am supporting two-state solution, but I, I said day by day we are, because of the policy of Netanyahu, we are losing mm -hmm. the chances of having two-state two solution. By design. That's why, that's why yeah. we should yeah. discuss seriously the one-state solution also. What do you say to those people that say settlements? They are the most obvious obstacle yeah. for ending occupation. And settlers are the most influential lobby in Israel. This government is the most radical, the most racist, the most extreme. It's, and it's the highest lobby for settlers is the government. Fact, uh, any possibility of civil disobedience by the Palestinians no. and refuse to pay taxes? It, it can be done in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what is, is there any movement toward that? Because ultimately... You are talking about Palestinians inside Israel. Yeah. Because Palestinians in the West Bank are paying taxes to the Palestinian Authority. Yeah, but it, it just against... It. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So is there any, any possibility of civil disobedience? And just to get the attention, hey, we are serious about it. We are talking about civil, non-violent yeah, uh, acts. Talking. That's what I mean. Still, we are not close to this point that you are referring to. Who in Washington do you think is the most receptive when you go there? Who, who would your who would the people be that you would put the most hope in supporting the Palestinian people? Any legislators that you've met? Any people? <coughs> I met both uh, think tanks, no. congressmen, White House, State Department, no. uh, intellectuals, universities. I was there. Next month I will be there again. 
media. It's a challenging effort. Mm. And Palestinians and Arabs should do more in Washington. And they are not doing enough. They are not doing enough, both Palestinians and Arabs. We have people in this room from America, from the UK, from Australia. We're going to go home and be activists as we were. But what, what, what do you think we can do in, in our respective countries? We will, you will meet in this visit Arab politicians, Palestinians, you will see the reality on the ground, villages non-recognized, you are visit Arab villages inside Israel. That's the picture that should, you should carry with you and explain for decision-making uh, 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 politicians uh, in the parliament, in the media, in your countries. Thank you very much. I hope you will enjoy your day. With this, uh, we have come to the end of uh, this uh, week's episode of Palestine. Remembered uh, Robert Martin spoke with Mr. Ahmed Atibi, member of the Arab Joint List uh, at the Knesset and an advocate of the Palestinians' rights inside Israel. Uh, thanks for being with us and remember to tune in. Same time, 9.30 in the morning. This is Nasser, Yusuf, and Robert wishing you the best of all times and salam.